0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: Deny yourself and die to yourself. Actually, Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you do that. Self's got to go. He says, take up the cross daily and follow me. And then he says this, and listen very carefully. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Stop fighting for your life in this world. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of First Timothy. Dying to yourself doesn't sound like the most exciting thing, but as you'll learn in today's message with Pastor J.D., the reward for this is great. So stop fighting the want to control everything. Stop placing your faith in the things of this world. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. He is all you need. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now here's Pastor JD in 1st Timothy chapter 6 with today's edition of in spirit and truth.
1: Today we are in 1st Timothy, we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and today's text is going to be chapter 6 verses 11 through 16. We'd invite you to turn there. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. We finished 2 and through verse 10 last week and the apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. He's in, at this time, the city of Ephesus. And so he writes, verse 11, But you, man of God, flee from all this. All what? Well, in the previous verses, he's talking about the man of greed. And here he's talking to Timothy as the man of God. Flee all of those things. And instead, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, verse 12. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses in the sight of God, verse 13, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you, verse 14, to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love it when Paul does that, talks about the Lord's return, the rapture of the church, the appearing of the Lord. And then I also love it when he does this, and he does it often, he just bursts forth into praise. Verse 15, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Ah, love that. So I want to talk with you today about what it really means to fight The good fight of faith, whether we realize it or not, every single one of us is in the fight of our life. But here's the thing, it may not be the fight that we think it is, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Every single one of us is prone to get caught up in the battles of this life. And in so doing, we lose sight of the fact that it's a spiritual fight. And the fight is for eternal life. Not that we work for or fight for it, but it's a fight in this world. And that's what Paul is talking about here. As I was preparing and praying as to how it was that I would teach this particular passage. I sense that the Lord would have me to do something. I don't do very often, but this is a passage I think that uh, is best suited for it. I want to approach it by asking questions. Questions from the text. And I have three questions that I think all of us would do well to ask ourselves concerning what Paul says is, the good fight of the faith. It's a good fight, and it's a fight. (laughs) You know, this world is a battleground. It's not a playground. It's a battleground, and it is a fight. Here's the first question. It's in verses 11 and 12. Is it the right fight? I realize that asking this question in this way might at first seem to be a firm grasp of the obvious, but the truth is this is how a lot of us get into trouble. And we get into trouble because we wrongly fight the wrong fight. And the wrong fight is the fight in and for this life. And it comes at the expense of taking hold of eternal life. I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul would say it that way. He says, it's the good fight of the faith. And the good fight of the faith is to take hold and hold on to, don't let go, of eternal life. That's the fight. The fight of our life is eternal life. And Paul is going to expound on it here, as we'll see shortly. What he's saying is that the good fight of the faith is the fight of eternal life and not the fight for our lives in this life. And that's what I mean by I think we get into trouble when we fight the wrong fight. We fight for our rights. We fight for ourselves, and it's the wrong fight of this life at the expense of the good fight laying hold of eternal life. In Luke's gospel, the ninth chapter, Jesus said, verses 23 and 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, die to himself, and take up His cross daily. Oh, I wish you didn't say that. Daily, as one said. You know the problem with daily life is that it's daily, every day. Rise up early in the morning and seek Him. And the first thing you have to do is look at that mug in the mirror and say to yourself, you're the enemy. You got to go. You need to die. And we fight it. Come on. Let's be honest. We fight it. Who wants to die to self? Hey, I want to live for self. And if I'm going to die, I'm going to die with dignity. Come on. Pick up the cross. Let's go. Pick up the cross. You know, in our day, we've made the cross something that in that day it was not. You'll forgive the comparison, but if you have a better one, I'm certainly open to it, but this is the best I've got. The cross is like an electric chair today. I told you to forgive me for the comparison, but that's what it represents. It represented death. Jesus is saying, hey, uh, you want to follow me? I do. Okay, here's what you need to do. What? You see that cross over there? No! Pick it up. Deny yourself and die to yourself. Actually, Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you do that. Self's got to go. He says, take up the cross daily and follow me. And then he says this, and listen very carefully. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Stop fighting for your life in this world. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It's the paradox of paradoxes. And I think we do err greatly as Christians when we fight against the paradox of the faith, the good fight of the faith. The way up is the way down. You want to live, die. You want him to increase, you have to decrease. That's the paradox of the faith. That's the good fight of the faith. And if there was ever a man inspired by the Holy Spirit who knew a thing or two about this, it was the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 20. By the way, Acts chapter 20 is a great chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters. I know I say that about every chapter in every book in the Bible, but it's such a great chapter. So, The Apostle Paul knows that he's being called to go to Jerusalem, and he knows that it's not going to be a picnic when he gets there. It's going to be an uphill battle all the way there, and certainly once he gets there. And so he says, verse 22, Luke writes, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know verse 23, that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, and this is the key, this is the secret. I hate to use words that the world has hijacked, and I know Arabs shouldn't use the word hijacked, but (laughs) the secret to success. I hate it when the world does that. By the way, we were talking about this on Thursday night in Ecclesiastes, just in chapter 10. You know how many modern day sayings came from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, just that one chapter? You know that saying, fly in the ointment? Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 1. You know that that saying, a little bird told me? Ecclesiastes chapter 10. By the way, Twitter, the bird? Ecclesiastes chapter 10. How about that one? I hate it when they do that. They take something from God's Word. Okay, anyway, I digress. This is the secret to success. I'm taking it back from the world. The secret to success in the Christian life. You ready for it? Wait for it. Here it is. I consider my life worth nothing to me. That's why. He says, my only aim, I've already died to myself. I've already denied myself. You see that cross? I picked it up. That cross has got a lot of miles on it. I drive it every day, <laughs> daily. I pick it up. He says, my only aim is to, listen to this metaphor, finish the race. It's going to come up again here in a second. And complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul, like Esther before him, we were just talking about that in the prophecy update. Mordecai says to her, how do you know that you weren't positioned where you're positioned in the kingdom for such a time as this? And if you don't do this, deliverance will come from another. In other words, Esther, if you refuse to put your own life in jeopardy and approach the king uninvited, if you're unwilling to do that, then God will find somebody who will. And then she says those chilling, famous words, if I perish... I perish. Wow. And look at the lives that were saved because she died to self. If I perish, I perish. You know, I think of Job. <laughs> he said this. And when we were studying through the book of Job, man, that was a trial. And you study it, that's a whole nother trial. It's a book about, you know, I mean, talk about trials. And he comes to this place where he says. Even if God were to kill me, slay me, put me to death, yet will I praise Him, trust Him. That's a guy who's already died. Dead men don't flinch. I'll give you a moment on that one. I know it's a little gnarly to borrow an 80s word. (laughs) Dead men don't flinch. Dead men aren't moved. That's why in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul could say, nothing moves me. How can it? I'm already dead. I've already died to myself. It was a fight. Not going to lie, as we say. I already died. Nothing moves me. This life, it means nothing to me. It means nothing to me. And isn't it true that the battle will ensue? when we're holding on too tightly to our lives in this world. We love this world. Come on, let's be honest. We love this world and the things of this world. And therein lies the conflict and the battle and the struggle. When we get to 2 Timothy in chapter 4, and we'll get there. Maybe the rapture will happen first, don't know, but (laughs) we'll get there. In verses 7 and 8, Paul is at the end of his life now. And listen to what he says to Timothy. He says, I have fought, fought, past tense, the good fight. (laughs) Notice, as one said, he didn't say, I danced a good dance. No, I fought the good fight. And he brings back this other metaphor, drawing from the Olympics of that day, which we know them as the Olympics today, says, I have finished the race. Wait, so Paul, you have fought the good fight of the faith that you're writing to Timothy about in your first letter, and you finished the race? Yeah. Wow. And then he says this, I have kept the faith. I didn't let go lay hold of grab onto it and hold on to it for dear life eternal life lay hold of it finally and i love this there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day you know what day he's talking about right well He's going to tell us next, he says, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Oh my goodness. He said that in our text today. He said, lay hold of it, fight the good fight of the faith until his appearing. And then he says... I fought the fight, the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. I laid hold of it. I wouldn't let go of it. And now you know what? i got a crown waiting for me. You know, the thing about crowns with guys, it's kind of weird. You know, it's kind of like, ew, that's a girl thing. Believe me when I tell you, you want these crowns. Think of it like this, guys. Think of the king's crown from the King of Kings that we cast before Him, when we bow before Him, and praise Him and worship Him, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Oh, can't wait. Here's the second question, first part of verse 13. Is the Lord my defense? Is the Lord the one that's defending me in this fight, this good fight of the faith? Now, at first read... <laughs> Paul's reference to the Savior testifying before Pontius Pilate seems kind of like it's out of place. Like, you know, he's talking about fighting the good fight of the faith and laying hold, taking hold, not letting go of eternal life. And then he brings Jesus into it and his testimony standing trial before Pontius Pilate. What in the world? What are you talking about? Why are you bringing this into the discussion? Well, upon closer examination, it makes perfect sense, and here's why. Jesus did not defend himself before Pilate. That's not to say that Jesus was defenseless. It is to say that the power that Jesus had for his defense came from the Father. In this fight, this good fight of the faith, the Lord is our defense. The Lord is our shield. The Lord is the source of our strength in this fight. We're going to talk about that here more in a moment. In John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 11, this is intense because Jesus is standing trial before Pilate, and Pilate's getting frustrated. I mean, when you read the narrative, it's like, why don't you defend yourself? <laughs> well, Jesus is on his way to the cross to die for the sins of mankind. I find it so fascinating that he would say to Pilate, "Um, you think my kingdom is on this earth? It's not. My kingdom is not here. Because if my kingdom was here, then my disciples would fight. But they don't fight. I think about Peter. I love Peter. Oh, I can't wait to meet Peter, seriously. You know, I think a lot of people are going to owe Peter an apology when we get to heaven. Oh, no, for real. Man, he's been the source of so much bad press. Everybody's, you know, Peter's got foot in the mouth disease, you know, and all these things. And man, you got to hand it to the guy though. Think about it. Of all the disciples in the boat on the Sea of Galilee when that storm hit, And here comes Jesus walking on water, and they're like freaking out. Oh my goodness, it's a ghost. We're all going to die. And then Peter says, wait, it's the Lord. And then he says, bid me come. I know it's not in the text. I would have loved to have seen the expression on the disciples face when Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, if that's you, I want to come to you. I want to walk on water. The other disciples are going, Peter! Peter, why are you always doing that? <laughs> so he steps out of the boat, and he walks on water. The disciples are going, no way! Way! I like how one Bible teacher said it. He suggested that, you know, we're told, in the text, that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. That's why he started to, you know, sink and drown. And one has suggested that he looked at the storm, and that's what, you know, sunk him, which is a whole nother teaching and takeaway. But one has suggested that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, because he looked back at the disciples and said, <laughs> Look at me! You're still on the boat! Boom! Down he goes. I don't know. I guess we'll find out.
0: You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from 1 Timothy with Pastor JD, approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading. If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. This can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. While you are there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of 1 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at inspiritandtruthradio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of First Timothy on In Spirit and Truth.